Listen, uh, tonight's a first because I have never felt overdressed wearing joggers, but y'all somehow made that happen. I wanted to wear pajamas. I saw the post and I was like, watch me be the only one wearing pajamas. And all of y'all got like clothes for movies or something. I'm like, I'm not going to be that dude. And to walk in here and see you guys so comfortable right now, I am hating. I'm not going to lie to y'all. But yeah, I know Jersey night was last week, but uh, y'all didn't invite me last week. So here we are. Right, right. So I'm wearing this and uh, that's what's going on. <laughs> no, honestly, the only reason I have a Cubs jersey on is because um, this is going to sound silly, but I was hoping that if I had a Cubs jersey on, maybe Gio would actually take a nice picture of me. And now he's not even here, right? Because Gio's big time. Ever since he got hired by Major League Baseball, um, he only takes pictures with a nice camera when it comes to professional athletes, right? When he takes pictures at Excel, my man's using like iPhone 3s with Boost Mobile service all pixelated and everything. But that's all right. We're just going to make fun of him because he's not here. But listen, you guys, I don't know if you realize this, but you are absolutely stacked with gifted leaders, it's not like this everywhere. I just want you guys to know that. I, I'm looking at my Kianas, my, my Geos. I'm looking at Swoleodo and Wifey back there. Your, your baby was reaching for the flamingo during worship. And I was like, oh. If like this was Jesus, you just, if I could just touch the hem of his nose. I was like, come on. You guys got gifted leaders. Um, I've never met Pastor Izzy. Uh, fun fact, my wife was his realtor. So she helped sell him that house that they're in right now where they are currently welcoming, uh, I think you butchered the name, by the way. I don't, I don't think it's Dotson. I think it's Dottie. Is it Dottie? I think you said Dotson. You were like, in case y'all don't know, he had a baby named Doodlety. We were like, what are you saying exactly? That's not his name. No, I'm messing with you. Y'all give it up for Ara. She did a great job with everything, everything else. Amen. But in all seriousness, man, all seriousness, you guys have a stacked leadership team. Um, it's just insane. And it's not like this everywhere. And if you are grateful for them, if you are grateful for them, you ought to let them know. This isn't part of my message, but listen, um, when your unexpressed gratitude is often perceived as ingratitude. Like if you, you could be super grateful for someone in your heart, and if you never tell them, they could think you don't like them. They could think they're not making a difference in your life. They can think, man, I should, be, I should be moving on to another youth group because they obviously, they don't like me here. You know? Kiana's like, they don't like my hair. They don't like my style. I'm just going to leave. When was the last time you thanked a leader just for being here for you, uh, for, for coming here on a Wednesday night, for coming here on Sunday mornings? And, and y'all meet Thursday nights and Friday still as well? Y'all got small groups tomorrow or no? Okay, we're scratching it. Okay, well, times are changing. Praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm an old, I'm, I'm 41. I was uh, here when Pastor Joey was your youth pastor. But um, yeah, if you appreciate your leaders, even in their absence, and there's several who are here still holding it down while other people are out, would you just stand to your feet for a second and give them the biggest clap and love you can do? Is that, is that a thing? Okay, cool. That's what's up. Cool, cool. I can tell which ones of y'all are new because some of y'all were like, can you stand and love your leaders? Y'all were like, I don't even know these people yet. Oh, just got out of tired during summer vacation. Come on now. Y'all like, like you just got out of school. But listen, your, your, your new lead pastor, who says summer school? Are you, in, are you in summer school to advance? In sixth grade you were in summer school? I didn't know they had summer school for, for junior high. <laughs> they just made it for him because he was struggling. He was struggling. Y'all, I ain't gonna lie. I was a horrible student. I was about to join y'all in the game. And then I figured out y'all were doing math. And I was like, <laughs> no, I don't want to get embarrassed and never advance one single hula hoop. 
Y'all are built different having math for games. I was just like, I don't, I don't know about that. But listen, Pastor Joey, man, that is my brother from another mother. Wave at me if you know Pastor Joey. I'm just trying to get a feel for how many of y'all are new. Okay. How many of y'all were a part of this youth ministry when Pastor Joey was the youth pastor? Wave at me if that's you. Okay, hands down. How many of y'all come on Sundays regularly? Okay, that's a nice amount. Not enough. Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that. You said that's a lie? <laughs> There's too many hands being waved right now? Man, calling you out in church. He's like, lies. I ain't seen none of y'all this whole year trying to look good in church. But listen, when I moved to Texas, um, I was born and raised in Chicago, 34 years here. And uh, God called me to Texas, man, to be a youth pastor out there, a full-time youth pastor. And uh, it was amazing. I flew Joey out every chance I got to come preach my camp. And uh, I named my camp after the greatest camp I've ever been to in the world, Breakaway in Carlinville, Illinois. So that's what we called our camp in Texas. And to bring that flair, I would always fly Joey out. But it wasn't just for preaching. It wasn't just for his gift. It was for my friend. So we'd, um, I'd have him preach at the camp, and then he'd always stay like four or five days extra, and we would just go on vacations together. So we would just hang out, because that's my boy. So I legit love him, and I'm grateful for him. And he's bailed me out several times. One time I had, how many of you don't know Micah Mack? Anybody know Micah Mack? Cool. Awesome speaker. Great dude. I had him booked one year for our camp, and my man was trying to play basketball at another camp. How many of y'all hoop? Any ballers in here? Okay. Things have changed. Um, but he was, uh, he was trying to cross some kid over at a camp, and he went this way. And when he went back this way, his knee kept going that way. It wasn't a thing. So he tore up every ligament in that thing, and he calls me. I was at a conference. He calls me the Friday before our camp. So it's Friday. We're going to camp in three days, Monday morning. He's my speaker. He tells me his doctor said, I cannot get on a plane. So I was like, oh, okay, I love you. I appreciate he was apologizing. I'm like, no, I mean, dude, you're, you're broken. I'm like, first of all, stop hooping. Don't ever hoop again. People from Minnesota can't hoop. And, um, and then I was like, it's all good. And before panic could set in, I started to feel it like three days away and I don't have a speaker. We got like 100 kids registered for this. I'm like, what are we going to do, Joey? I pulled out my phone and I, I texted him because I was literally in a conference. And I'm like, I need you. Any chance you can fly to Houston or I'll fly you out in three days, bruh, and preach the camp. And he was like, give me 10 minutes. And he's like, just so he can talk to the lead pastor and get permission. And he's out. Three days later, he's preaching our camp, tearing it up as he, as he always does. And our kids are blessed as a result. Earlier this year, my brother-in-law had a heart attack out of nowhere and died. I lost my brother-in-law. And he's, he's around my age. And uh, I was scheduled to preach that Sunday in the main services. I had to preach both services. And how many of y'all know there's just times you don't feel like preaching? There's times you don't feel like reading your word. There's times you don't feel like I was just, I was in a season of grieving and I was like, man, I was shocked and I couldn't even get my thoughts together. And I was like, what am I going to do here? Because all our pastoral team was away. There was different things going on, vacations, obligations, stuff happening. I text Joey. I was like, Joey? And I didn't even tell him what it was. I just said, I need thee. I was like, can you preach both services this, this Sunday? And it was days away. Give me 10 minutes. He asks your lead pastor at the time and he gets the green light. He's like, I'll be there. Afterwards is when I explained to him everything that was going on, but it's like that. You don't even need to tell him. He just shows up. So whenever he needs anything, he still asks because he's a gentle beast. Amen. But he doesn't need to ask. He'd just be like, bro, I need you. Be there. And I'd, I'd, I'd move plans around for this just because when he asks, that's that kind of guy. So y'all, y'all better know you have an amazing lead pastor. If you don't know, I, I'm honored to tell you. And if you're not coming on Sundays and, it's, and you're going to camp, how funny is that? That, that the Carnival, the, the, the guy that we're trusting to speak to every single youth in Illinois is preaching at that camp. He's preaching two, two messages uh, or two times a night, right, for two straight weeks. 
and y'all don't come on Sundays, if you don't come on Sundays, because I didn't see every hand up, and, and you're going to pay hundreds of dollars to go four hours away and hear him in a cornfield when y'all got him here every Sunday? Okay, I'm meddling now. Let me stop. Let me stop. But I, you need to know, this is good soil. It's not like this everywhere, y'all. You got a great church, so be a part of that. Be a part of that if you're not, and I encourage you to do that. But let me jump right in because some of y'all are looking at me like, boy, if you don't hurry up and preach and stop telling me what to do. I want to talk to you tonight about the topic of scars. I think scars get a bad rep. How many of y'all got scars? You got a scar somewhere on your body right now. Ooh, uh, y'all get that story. Get that story ready. I might come down. I might come down. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. Let me give you a little backdrop. This is actually on Resurrection Sunday. So Jesus rose from the grave earlier that day, epic, and it's nighttime. The disciples, for the most part, still haven't seen Jesus. They're, they, they think it's over. They are locked up at the crib because they are terrified that they're going to get murdered next. This is a Chicago story all day. They're like, do not open the door, lock the windows, and they're just, they're just looking. And they're like, for fear of the Jewish leaders, like, we're next. If they can crucify Jesus, bro, who are we? They're going to get us. Dude, our life is over. It's done. Like, we thought he was going to take over and overthrow the Roman Empire, and they killed him. Bro, we're next. This is the worst weekend of my life. That's where we pick up our story. They're in the crib. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. And if you're running pro presenter, I'll probably just fly through these. So here we go. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Real quick. We live in Chicago, unless you're from a nearby surrounding suburb. Bless your heart. How many of y'all lock your doors anyway, not for fear of Jewish leaders, but because you live in, okay, praise God, everyone. So for fear of the Jewish leaders, they had the doors locked, and then Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. That's the reaction you ought to have when you come to Excel. That's the reaction you ought to have when you're seeking Jesus at Belmont Assembly of God every Sunday. Amen. Praise God. That should be, you should be overjoyed. Like, I can't wait to get there. Instead of like, Mom, why would you wake me up today? Verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, a.k.a. the original P. Diddy, one of the 12 was not with them when the disciples came. I, I, th I think about that when I read that verse. What's the coolest thing you've ever missed out on because you just didn't show up to something? Is it, is, am I the only one that when you don't go to something you should have been to, it was the greatest thing in the world and everyone's telling you about it? Anytime I don't go to church, it's like they tell me, Jesus showed up in the flesh and he was floating. Like, you missed it. I'm like, I, I, I missed one Sunday this year, and that's when the physical incarnate Jesus showed up. I just... I feel that sometimes. So, when the, so verse 25, so the other disciples told them, they're filling them in because Thomas wasn't there for whatever reason. I don't know where he was. They're all scared of the house for fear of the Jewish leader. Well, what was he doing? I would love to know. I'm going to ask him when I get to heaven. Like, were you in the restroom? Like, what? how did you miss the return of Jesus at the house? Like, what, what was going on? So they tell him, we have seen the Lord. So Thomas nods and he's like, yeah. And he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and as a matter of fact, for good measure, and, and put my hand into his side where they stabbed him with the spear at the end, and unless I do all of that, I will not believe. A week later, somebody say a week later. I love that it, Jesus let him stew with that for a little while. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, I love that, Jesus came and stood among them and said, 
Peace be with you. I love that there's an exclamation mark there too. I think Jesus has a sense of humor. If you're scared and you're in hiding and you're like, they're gonna kill, they're gonna kill us. They're gonna kill us at any second. And Jesus, I could just boom, doors were locked, just pops up behind them like, look at these guys, look at these guys, no faith at all. There's an exclamation mark there, right? Peace be with you. Wasn't like, peace be with you. Peace be with you. They're like, ah, just like. I love it. I love it. Scared the junk out of him. Verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, oof, if I'm Thomas right now, I'm like, <laughs> you look like Jesus. <laughs> then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Go ahead, look. Get a good look. Get your glasses on. Did they even have glasses back then? <laughs> Squint. Do what you need to do to see better. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And I love that Thomas is like, my Lord and my God. And Jesus just treats him as like, yeah, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to do what only you can do. Father, would you speak to our hearts tonight? Would you draw us closer to you? And I ask that you would heal every broken area of our lives tonight. God, we don't have to wait for Carlinville. We don't have to wait to drive five hours to head to the cornfield to hear our lead pastor preach. God, you're here right now, and you want to do some work tonight, Father. So before you even ask the question, God, we say yes. You can have your way in our lives. That's why we're here. We certainly didn't come to jump through hula hoops and, and do math earlier. That was fun, but we're here for you, and you could have your way in our lives, Father. We are the creation. You are the creator. The clay doesn't get to tell the potter what it exists for, Father. You made us for a purpose. So help us to just surrender. And the sooner we understand it and live for you, the better we're going to be, Father. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, verse 25, he said, unless I see the marks. Unless, matter of fact, I want to touch them. I want to touch the marks. Matter of fact, let me stick my hand all up in that side because I I know there was a gaping hole, right? I know when you stick a spear in someone while you're sitting there telling me Jesus came back, that there's going to be a huge hole, and I just, okay, I believe, yeah, sure, I believe that Jesus is back, Uh uh-huh, let me just wiggle four fingers inside that hole, and just see if that's him, since y'all are like, oh, he's back, (laughs) y'all are, y'all are misunderstood, you misunderstood, there's people that look like other people, like some, some random Jewish dude with just gray hair was walking around, y'all thought that was Jesus, I understand how you could be confused, how many of y'all get frustrated when you're trying to tell someone the truth, and they don't believe you, and there's a group, and you're like, how many of y'all stop at nothing to make sure they know? Like, no, 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 no. How many of y'all just let it slide? You're like, I don't care if I win the argument. I am humble. Bless the Lord. I bet they were fighting that entire week. But he's like, I'm not going to believe it unless I see the marks. And that's exactly what a scar is. A scar is a mark left behind by a wound that's been healed. It's a mark left behind by a wound that's been healed. I think scars get a bad rep. That's a beautiful thing. And I asked you a few moments ago, who has a scar? Wave at me if you have a scar. You're out here. You're out here. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Who's got a big scar? Like, who thinks they have the biggest scar in this room right now? You are just dead confident. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Y'all give it up for him. Are these your pajamas, by the way? You sleeping us? You look clean for, for movie night. What is this? What's your shirt say? Okay, that's what's up. All right. You came to church, though. You, you, you're doing good. You're doing good. Um, where's your scar? Can we see it? Or is it like a, oh, snap. Okay. Okay. Man, how long? That's about 12, 13 inches. All right. Do tell. How did you get that thing? My dog dragged his nail. Like, he actually punctured my leg, and then he scraped down. Hang on, hang on. So he? Like, his, leg, his arm went 
in, and then he dragged down over my leg. So he just walked up to you like, no. oh! and then, oh! so he was getting excited because I was like punching my dad or something, and then he got. Hold up! You were getting. He was getting excited <laughs> because you were physically abusing your father. So he got excited. Uh, yeah, sort of. My my father and I had a little bit of quarrel. So I punched him in the shoulder and me, my dog. Tell me, it wasn't even play fighting? You, you, you just squared up on your dad. You could say it was a reasonable attack. I know we could say, but what does thou say? A reasonable attack? Amen. Self-defense? You could say. Let, I'm not going to make you lie in church. Just finish the scar story. Let's go. Okay, so we'll pray for this later, by the way. <laughs> so I was punching my, my dog thought, you know, I should join this fight. So he decides to puncture my leg and drag down. And then, like, I waited, like, 30 minutes. I had to pour alcohol on it. It burned. What, you pour, like, rubbing alcohol on it? Yeah, yeah. And you know, it says this is for external use only, right? But you poured it in the wound. You know, it had to be cleaned. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Always got to have a clean wound. Was it just flapping open, like flesh? Could you see the bone? Like, how deep was it? No, it wasn't as deep as the bone, but it definitely did go in and drag down. So, yeah. It wasn't that deep. Did you go to the hospital? Nah. I did go to the hospital for one where he went, he scratched behind my ear. I don't know if the scar's still there. But, like, he legit cut my ear open, and that thing was actually flapping. In the back of my ear, I think this year. What's your dog's name? Bobo. Bobo? Bobo's a thug. Have a seat. Thank you for that story. Y'all give it up. What a thug Bobo is. My word. Arr! Thug life dog. Is he still alive? Y'all put him down? or He's at home waiting for you. <laughs> mm, he's going to walk up to you tonight like, that thing looks awfully healed. Be a shame if there was another one. Hur! Hur! Listen, y'all, I've got some pretty nice scars myself. Um, I'm a motorcycle rider. I love bikes. And uh, he's like, yeah. My wife doesn't feel that way, bro. But she, uh, she still lets me have a bike. And... Um, I got into my first accident, I want to say, five years ago in Texas. And I'm, I'm that dude. I just never thought I would get into an accident. Because I'm not doing wheelies out there. Y'all see people on Lakeshore Drive just doing, like, standing on the handlebars. and For the gram. And I'm like, for the coffin, boy, you dead. Like, don't do that. I'm not that guy. I'm just, I got a cruiser. I don't got the little rocket where you're like, a whole engine just attached to, like, two little wheels. I got a cruiser. So I'm just chilling back. Forward controls. My, hey, that's, that's me. I'm just chilling. I'm cruising. So I left church on a Thursday. I'm off on Fridays in Texas. Same thing now. And it was, the, it was the week before camp. So just like today's Thursday and we're going to camp on Monday, this exact scenario four or five years ago. I said bye to everybody in the office. I'm like, let's go. It's going to be a great weekend. Ooh, taking the kids to camp. I'm excited. I got that little breakaway high. Even though, you know, camps are awesome in Texas. Um, I've been to camps all over the United States. Nothing beats breakaway. If y'all have never been, you're about to experience a whole new level of camp. But anywho, I hop on a bike and I'm like, later y'all. I had a decision to make. I had my helmet. I had a, a jacket with all the shoulder pads and everything and all the protection. Y'all know anything about Texas weather? Anyone in here know anything about Texas? It's hot as an understatement. It's like Satan's armpit. It's disgusting in Texas nonstop. It's the humidity is like you take a shower in the morning. As soon as you leave, by the time you like walk to the car, you're already like sweating. You get out of the car. If you have glasses, just they fog up immediately. It's a wrap. Like you can't see you like so annoying, got to take this off. So I'm like, I'm not going to wear my gear right now. It's a short ride home. I live like seven minutes away from the church. What's the worst that can happen? So I hop on a bike. 
I get up to about 40, 45, and I took some back roads. I love that about Texas. There's back roads. Here, there's a light or a stop sign every five seconds. You cannot ride. It's, it's not, it's just riding the clutch the entire time in Chicago. Not as fun. So I'm cruising on the back roads, like sun is shining, and I'm just like, Kool-Aid smile, because I'm like, life is good. I'm about to take these students to camp. Lives are about to be changed next week. Let's go. And I'm cruising, right? And uh, you ever felt like someone was looking at you out of the corner of your eye? Anybody ever get that feeling? You got good peripheral? Like, even right now, someone might be looking at you out the corner of your eye right now, and you would just simply do this, like, excuse me? And they're like, I'm sorry. (laughs) You're just so cute. I was just... (laughs) I was going to confess on Friday at Breakaway, but since you're looking at me now, let's just, let's just go ahead and make it official. Um, so I felt something. Just I felt something right there, and it was high. I'm sitting down. It was like head level, and it was just black. That's the only thing I know. It was there for less than a split second. Kiana, I didn't even have time to turn my head and examine to see what was there. Before I know it, I get hit from, what is it, north, east, from east to west by a big bird directly in my face y'all they still make fun of me to this day they're like did you ever find the mosquito that hit you and I'm like that's not funny it was a bird I kid you not so I get I get hit so hard it was like anybody ever get into a fight you get a nice little right hook to the jaw just like this is the knockout button like even if you your head is okay your knees don't work when you get hit in the jaw you're from Chicago if you haven't been in a fight yet you should know this but it hit and the next thing I know I didn't even have a memory of like I don't remember falling or anything. It was hit. Next thing I know, I am rolling down the street. And I have a t-shirt on, y'all. I've got a t-shirt. Yes, I'm wearing a t-shirt. Don't throw anything up just yet because I'm going to give a squeamish warning. Um, and before, let me, let me stop there for a second. They teach you in motorcycle class, if you ever get into an accident, anybody know what you're supposed to do? What would you say? Duck and roll? That's a fire, right? Stop, drop, and roll. If... If you catch fire after the accident, that's good advice. Here's what they teach you. They teach you to leave your body completely limp. And that way, you just go with the physics of it. <laughs> Whatever's happening, if you're going down a mountain, you're like, well, we'll rode it. Just, just, just don't fight it. Just ragdoll it, and it'll help. Because if you tense up, you're fighting against things can break more easily and tear. Who thinks that in the middle of an accident, bro? I got as tense as I've ever been in my life. When I, was, I just hit the street, and I'm rigid like you couldn't move me and as I'm rolling I hit bam 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 and I'm just scraping every time I look up (laughs) let me just roll this way I see my bike ahead of me doing somersaults on the street and I'm like oh my my bike I paid for that (laughs) just salty like I finally come to a skid y'all a skid it wasn't some smooth uh, that's the street. Yeah, I was about here. I just come to a skid. And I'm like, I sit up. And right away, I, it's such a dumb thing to think. But I'm like, I want to be as cool as possible here. Right? Because people get into accidents. You know, you just freak out, right? It's just natural. I'm like, boy, I'm about to be the coolest cucumber that ever got into a car accident or a motorcycle accident. Watch this. So I'm just like, breathe. All right, all right. What, what should I do? I just crashed. I just had an accident. I'm like, all right, I'm alive. That's good. I th- this is still Texas. It's definitely not heaven. Okay, cool. And then um, first thing I did, no lie, 
I was like, I, I licked my teeth. And then I, I felt for them to see if they were still there. I don't know why. I'm traumatized. I tripped one time when I was a shorty, chipped my tooth. My parents left me with a chipped tooth for years. One day we went to the dentist, and I was like, what are we doing? And I'm like, just shut up. Just sit in the chair. Just, it's going to be fine. And I left with a new tooth. And it took 10 minutes. And as excited as I was, I was like, y'all left me. They were calling me Chip at school for years. This took 10 minutes. We were broke. That's a whole other story. But anyway, I, I, I was like, let me just, let me relax. Let me be cool. Let me do my thing. I'm, and I'm there. I'm like, all right. I got all my teeth. Praise God, I still have teeth. That's awesome. They're crooked. They're yellow. But I still got them. They're mine. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm like, let me just start taking inventory of the rest of my body. I lift my arms. And I'm, that's when I first see I'm like, oh, I'm missing all kind of skin. Bless God. Dripping. And I'm just like, that, that's a lot of blood. That's not good. So I'm like, relax, bro. You good. You good. You good. And I'm like, okay, cool. What do I do here? I'm going to call for help. That's a good idea. How could I do that? Bro, I'm probably concussed. So much adrenaline. Body's high, right? I'm just like, I don't feel any pain yet. And I'm there like, I have a cell phone. I'm going to grab that thing and I'm going to call somebody. I usually keep it in my pocket. That's a good place for it. I go, I go to, I, re, I look down. I'm like, boy, I'm killing this thing right now. I'm doing so great. I look down to, to learn I almost have no pants on anymore. I had some cool little, little, little gap khakis all thin. They were shredded as I was rolling down the street. So I had, the waist part was still there and the pockets were ripped. And then it was just like holes everywhere. Like there was nothing. So I was like, I don't have a phone. So I was like, oh, snap, this is, this is going to be an issue. And then I'm like, oh, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? You're Christian. Pray. Come on. So I was like, Jesus, I crashed. I need help. Please send me somebody. Nobody was going down the road at that time. So I'm like, Lord, I, as soon as I prayed that prayer, y'all, somebody starts driving down. I'm like, look at God. Come on. Now let so I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm there. I'm sitting down, and I'm all like, and for some reason, I never put my arms back down because I was just like, they're bleeding a lot. So I'm just, I thought holding them like this would be a good idea. So I'm sitting there in the street. She drives up. My motorcycle's in the middle of the street, so she has to go into oncoming traffic to go around it. She slows down. She looks at it. She's like, she doesn't see me yet. So I just start screaming, help me, help. I've been in an accident. See, like, I help me. She looks at me. She goes, Bro, she left me on the road. I kid you not. And I was just like, Jesus, I need more help. The kind that's actually going to be helpful. Someone else came. I kid you not. Two times in a row, I got left there. And they saw me. And they just drove around. Later, I remembered, when I ride, I wear a skeleton mask up to here. And I had sunglasses. So maybe the bloody skeleton waving arms had something to do with it. Or they were just rude and left me there. But at any rate, that was that. Finally, some people stopped. And it was like, it was a ridiculous team of people. Just a bunch of different cars stopped. One guy called 911. One guy called my wife. One guy was just going around retrieving items that I don't even know I didn't have on me. One guy threw my wallet. He threw my wallet at me. I was like, oh, thanks. I didn't even know I was missing that. Some, he brought my chapstick back. <laughs> Who does that? But I'm like, I might be bleeding everywhere else. But God, bless, I'm going to have me some, some smooth lips. They're too big. They're too Puerto Rican. I got to make sure these are chapped. So um, they're doing all this stuff. And they call my wife. And I'm like, all right. And I, I still remember the phone call. I thought I was cool. I was going, like, baby, hey, how you doing? Listen, 
I don't want you to panic, but I got into a little accident. In my head, that's how the whole conversation sounded. When you asked my wife, she was like, you were frantic. You started crying. Instead of, I was like, that wasn't me. I was real cool with it, you know. But I, yeah, I guess I was crying. And uh, they took me to the hospital. I get there. And then all these people from church just show up like real quick. Uh, y'all got that kind of family at Belmont. Something happens to y'all. And if you're a part of Excel, your small group leaders will be there. Can I get an amen? Can okay, cool. All right, they'll be there. And they're going to show up to be with you and support you. And I'm, I'm like, sweet. And I'm feeling good in the hospital. Now I'm there. Praise God. And I'm like, this is good. Um, and I'm telling them, I'm going to camp on Monday morning. Like, this is going down for sure. Like, I'm, I'm taking the students camp. Why wouldn't I? And they're like, <laughs> yeah. He is high right now, isn't he? Dude, morphine. They gave me morphine. I was feeling good. I was like, I'm, I'm golden. I walked out of that hospital. I, I, uh, it was the worst. Once that medicine wore off, it was the, the most excruciating pain I've ever been in my life. I was in a wheelchair for like maybe three weeks. Uh, couldn't walk. I had a hard time getting going to the restroom. Oh, I forgot. I tore my, uh, I tore my meniscus. When I looked down, there was an entire chunk of my knee missing. So I was like, that's not good either, right? All right. So here's a squeamish warning. If you're like, uh, if you're like, I have a youth leader that'll vomit on site when she sees nasty pictures. Um, so now's your chance to look away if you don't want to see this. But here we go. Here we go. This was, I don't even know what picture we got up here. I'm forgetting. Oh, these are my arms. So yeah, when I tell you I was rotisserie chicken all day, just Julasco brands. Uh, next slide. Let's see what we got here. Um, oh, that was my knee. That's what's up. <laughs> my wife's like, baby, it looks like a chunk of your knee is missing. I was like, that is an astute observation, woman. Thank you. Yes. It's still in Texas somewhere. I never picked it up. It's on the side of the road out there somewhere. And uh, do I have anything else? I think I have one more with the hand. That's good stuff, though. I don't know if I, maybe I didn't drop that one in the slide. It's all good. I have one in the, with, <laughs> there was a huge, yeah, yeah. I've got a huge hole. There was a huge hole here that had grass in it and dirt and all kind of stuff. And I was wearing, the one thing I had on was protective gloves. And I still had a huge hole in my, in my hand. I promise you I gave them a one-star review on Amazon right after that. They did not work. I tried to upload pictures, but they were like, it's too gruesome for our standards. So they, they didn't let me do it. But I was just wrecked. And I just remember going back to church like a few weeks later, still in the wheelchair. And for the most part, you know, church people know how to say the right thing, right? They're like, man, brother, we could have lost you, brother. We could have lost you. It's the grace of God. I'm like, amen. Yeah, it's true. And I'm, I'm being funny with it, but I, I, I've, I've had several students lose their parents in motorcycle accidents. So I, I fully... I'm fully aware that God spared me. I'm just being funny because sometimes people, church people, they're just funny. So they're saying the right thing. They're doing their thing. Everyone's like being nice. And I'm like, awesome. Then there's this one guy. Somebody say one guy. Okay. Every church has this one guy, right? Most people, most churches have several guys. Or, and by, I'm using the biblical term there, man, woman, anyone. People who want to say the right thing, but they open their mouth and then foolishness comes out. They just offend people. You're like, why would you say that out loud in a sentence? You're like, what do you mean? They just don't get it. They're like oblivious. So this one dude walks up to me, and he's literally like, hey, man, that's messed up, bro. Yeah, that's, oh, those are nasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it sucks. You're going to have to wear long sleeve shirts and pants for, like, the rest of your life now, man. That's, uh. And I, I the Bible says, you know, don't respond to a fool. Otherwise, you know, you're jumping in. And I'm just like, I took the bait, y'all, because I'm, I'm halfway saved sometimes. So I'm like, I was just mad. I'm like, why is that exactly? And I think I caught him off guard by like literally just right there on the spot. Be like, oh, this ain't Pastor Nelson talking about. This is just Nelly from the block. He just came at me. So I just, why, why would I have to wear long sleeves? And, and could you explain that to me? Living in Texas, why I would wear long sleeves and pants for the rest of my life. And he starts stuttering. And he's like, oh, I mean, because, you know, I mean, ugh. I mean, look, those are ugly, bro. 
I'm just saying you're going to have some pretty ugly scars. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to cover that up is what I'm trying to tell you. And I'm like, mm, ugly, ugly. Okay. There is absolutely nothing ugly about God touching a wound that was once the source of tremendous pain, healing it, and then being gracious enough to leave you a scar as a souvenir of his faithfulness and his love towards you. Ugly? And then the rest of the conversation happened in my head. Y'all know how you be talking about people in here. Ugly? Yo, mama's ugly. No, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I thought it. I didn't go there, right? And I'm thinking, you, but seriously, it's like, you want me to be ashamed of this? You want me to cover this up? You want me to hide the fact that I'm a survivor thanks to the glory of God? You want me to hide the fact and just forever wear clothing to let, not let people know that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me? And I'm like, you're lucky I'm even wearing clothes. I thought about preaching today, and I was like, pajama day, great. I was going to wear some mesh shorts and a swimming trunk. That's it. But I know it's the semblance of God, you know what I'm saying? We get a, well, sometimes y'all might not be able to receive the message if someone dresses like that. So I, I left it. But man, it's, it's a, it should be a billboard. Rock your scars. Show your scars. I think people want to hide stuff. And uh, I know I went through that, and I'm getting better, but I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to have that in my life. I don't want people seeing this because it's an ugly side of me. It's the most beautiful thing there is. You are a survivor. A scar means it's evidence that there was a healer. Tell a story. That's a beautiful scar, my boy. That's a funny story with, with Bobo the thug dog. Like, that's cool. But the fact that you're alive, the fact that you're not walking around like, you know what I'm saying, with a cane or anything right now, you can still run around. You still have use of that leg, even though Bobo tore it up. That's a testament of God's healing in your life. Scars are more than just physical. I'm going to date myself with this one. I don't even know if y'all are going to be able to help me with this, but finish this if you know it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Okay, this side of the room knows it. All the young people sitting over here, okay. But words will never hurt me. How many of y'all have ever heard that before? Words will never hurt me. Um, that, that's cool. It rhymes and everything. It's an absolute lie. It's not true. Sometimes words hit harder than a fist. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Listen, words can get you, words can keep you from getting into the high school you want to get into. How is that possible? They will look at your social media if it's a good enough school. And be like, Let's see what kind of kid this is. Oh, snap. Look what he's talking about. Nonstop on social media. Nope. He is not lane tech material. Amen. We're just going to scroll past this guy. Words will literally end relationships. I don't care how cool you are with the person you're sitting next to right now. You're like, this is my homie though. You don't know. Talk about their mom. Go ahead. Talk about their dad. Tell them they're ugly. Call them a loser. Just one time. One good phrase. And if it's well-intentioned, if you're like, you're not joking, you really mean that. You know what? Forget you then. I thought we were closer than that. It'll, it'll be over. Your relationship with that person is done. And I just, I just, I just think about that. Words are, are so powerful, and there's, there's, scars are not just physical. I, I have a scar from high school. It was a humiliation scar. And um, I, I remember I, was, I went to Calvin Park for half my freshman year, and I just went there because my best, best friend Mario went there. I knew at the time, I don't know what Kelvin Park's like now. Anybody go to Kelvin? Okay, none of y'all. Praise God. Um, it was super thugged out when I went. It was like shootings and everybody gets beat up every day. And I'm like, okay, that's what's up. I still want to go there because my friend's going there. I'm like, let's just risk life. And I went and I remember the first assembly were there and it's like, it's packed. And I'm like, I don't know anybody but him. So I sit next to him I'm like, bro, I'm so glad you're here. This is so awkward. High school. Wow. A lot of people here. I'm like, okay, cool. These girls sit behind us. Y'all, they are cute. They are cute. And they're upperclassmen. So I'm like, they're like, got to be juniors or seniors. They're older. I'm like, they don't look like us. 
They look like they went through all the puberty, just fell down the puberty tree, hit every branch in the way. They are fine. So I'm like excited. So what do I do? I'm going to make them laugh. That's my only move. That's what I got. I got a sense of humor. So during the assembly, every time they said something, I'm like, yeah, but they need to be doing this. <laughs> am I right? Am I right? And they're laughing. And I'm like, dude, we got them laughing. This is going great. So I'm like, okay. And we start vibing. Y'all know the feeling when you're vibing with somebody? Like when you're like, okay, they're feeling me a little bit. I think they like, ooh, I think they like me, right? It's like, I'm, this is great. And we're doing it and we're talking. And every time I turn around, they're already laughing in advance because like it's about to be some gold, Chris Rock, just hilarious stuff coming out. My mom like, this is working out so good. I'm like, oh my goodness. We're going to get like upperclassmen as girlfriends. Like we're going to be the most popular kids in Chicago, more like earth. They're going to erect statues in her honor. Like the first day of school, bro, we're about to land. Which one do you like? Which one do you like? Okay, cool. I'll take the other one. I'll take the other one. That's great. That's, they're, they're, both, they're both cute. They're both cute. I go around, I, I go to turn around and say my next joke. Y'all be the girl. Kiana, you're the girl. Uh, everybody else, you're the people sitting around her. Here's, here's the, I'm focused on the, you know, the, the whoever's on, I don't even remember who I was talking, the principal, somebody said something and I'm like, oh, I got a good one here. I turn, I turn around, I'm like, before I could get the next joke out of my mouth, the girl, one of the girls says in a real loud voice, I'm talking about loud enough for like maybe eight rows back, you can hear her. So I turned around, I'm like, and she was like, boy, you need to turn around. You need a haircut. And I said, I wish there was like, I went, I went to school in the 1900s before phones existed. Right? I, I wish someone could have took a picture to see the exact moment. Like my heart shattered. I was just like, I turned around and I tried to play it off, bro. I was like, Ugh. I sunk in my chair. I was so embarrassed. And some of y'all are like, dude, grow some thick skin. This is roasting. That's not that big a deal. It's not that serious. What she didn't know was that I was painfully aware of the fact that I needed a haircut. Why? Because I was woofing. I'm talking about just hair. And now it's cute. Some of y'all got a bunch of hair and that's like boy band, like whatever, BTS. You're popular with that. It wasn't like that back in the day in Chicago. You needed a tight bus cut or you were just lame. So I'm like, I would tell my dad every single day, Pa, look at my hair. Are you going to take me to get a haircut or what? It's like, Saba, I'll take you Saturday. I'll take you Saturday. You keep saying Saturday. Look, I'm getting made fun of at school. Some girl that boy is They told me that. This Saturday, I promise, I promise, I promise. Every Saturday would come and my dad would break that promise. He was a regular promise breaker. Why? Because my dad was a functioning drug addict. Functioning meaning he could keep a job. He kept money in the bank. He kept a roof over our heads. We ate. We didn't go without meals, but that was it. That's what I had as a father. And he was too busy fighting his own demons to take his son to go get a haircut. And she didn't know that when she said that little comment. It was just no big deal. It was just, you need a haircut. <laughs> it's funny, right? She got her little kudos. Everybody laughed. But she didn't know how I felt. That, that triggered something in me because that wasn't a scar yet. That was still a fresh wound because I knew what was going on. And I was like, you don't really know what's going on in my, in my home. You don't know what's going on in my house. And I was suffering in silence with it. You know what I did? I didn't eat lunch for weeks. Not because I was like, oh, let me fast and pray. Dude, I was like, I'm going to save my lunch money and buy. I just need to save up $20, $21, so I could go to Walgreens and buy a pair of clippers so that I could just cut my own hair because my dad's never going to take me. And that was that. I carry that wound for the longest. And it's funny. I'm a grown man now. Dude, I get a haircut every two weeks like clockwork. The only reason I'm, I'm woofing right now, and I'm, I don't like this. I'm, I'm saving it for my breakaway haircut because Saturday's the latest you can go, right? And even my son, he's two years old. He doesn't need a nice haircut. Nobody, he ain't trying to spit game at nobody right now. You're too. But that boy sees Leroy. Yes, yo daddy, the legend Leroy. Leroy Avenue, the best barber in the city. I take him to see that. I pay that kind of money because I want my son 
looking good. It's just something that even though I'm healed from, it still affects certain decisions in my life. And I don't know about this youth group anymore because there's a lot of new faces from the last time I preached, but my students, a lot of them have abandonment scars. A lot of them have broken homes and their parents are divorced and, and they, they're hurt from either their mom or their dad. I got one, one student in particular, her mom is the one with weekend visits. Her dad has full custody. And I've gotten to the point now where she loves me, man. It took a minute. I'm tilling some hard soil where I'm at now, but now it's like the love is real. I was just used to having it right away, like, you're going to love me. Like the first day I'm there, it took them a minute to love me. But now we're there, and I'm like, I don't want to say her name because I forgot y'all be broadcasting stuff. I was like, um, uh, girl number one, I said, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? I, you don't, something's wrong. And she's like, no, I'm, and she's about to lie and say the thing we always say, right? I'm fine. I'm fine. And she, she stopped herself. She's like, I'm it was just, it's my mom's weekend, and she was supposed to come get me. She said we were going to hang out, and she didn't, she didn't come. So it's whatever, you know? She doesn't want to spend time with me. You know, things come up. I understand it's been busy, and I just, and I just hear her crying, and I'm just like, dude, my heart breaks. I'm going to tell you, your youth leader's hearts break. Your youth pastors, your lead pastor, their heart breaks for you. They have a burden for students. They love you guys. And any one of the youth leaders in here will tell you, to know you is to love you. And for us to realize you come from a broken home and there's people that you're like, I crave my father's love, I don't get it. I crave my mother's love, I don't get it like I want to or at all. That breaks our hearts. Because we can't, we can't understand a world where someone wouldn't choose to love you. It's, it's unbelievable. But I don't know if that's here. Nothing like that happens at Excel. That's just my youth group, right? Jefferson Park. We've got people with rejection scars, people who are craving real friendships, but... They go to text somebody, hey, you want to hang out? Just to learn that everybody's already hanging out without them because they're a little different. They're constantly being excluded. We've got scars of anxiety, scars of depression, scars of loneliness. There's no shortage of things you could have scars from. But again, scars are a good thing. It's a mark left behind by a wound that's been healed. So if I'm talking right now and anything is hitting home and you're like, man, there's some pain there, I would suggest you do not have a scar yet. That's still a wound. God wants to heal that though. And I saw a clip from Joe. He's, he's tearing it up down there at Breakaway. He's like, God cannot heal what you refuse to reveal. And I was like, boy, you better preach. I'm stealing your words at your old youth ministry. Why do we hide stuff? We get so used to saying, I'm fine. I'm good. How was your week? I'm fine. I'm good. How's school? Good. How's your life going? Good. How do you feel about this? I'm good. Everything's good. And we get in the habit of doing that. We get so good at lying. I do it at restaurants all the time. The waitress comes by. Can I get you guys anything? Everything good? Everything tasting good? I'm like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's great. Everything's so awesome. Thank you. You're so sweet. What's your name again? Maritza. Maritza. <laughs> You're amazing. Thank you, girl. All right. As soon as she leaves, I'm like, what a great wait. I ain't got no coffee. I sure, I didn't even get a spoon. Like, dude, I, oh, snap. There's all these things I need. But we get so used to just saying I'm fine. I'm good. Why? Why do we do that? Why would we waste our time coming to Excel every Thursday night to just never deal with the real issue? And let people in on the pain. When I grew up, when I was your age, I suffered in silence. I didn't grow up in a home that was like family dinners at the table. If y'all got that, you're like, that's so lame. I wish I would have had that. I grew up in a house. No one ever talked about feelings in my house. It was like, Nelson, I'm a a junior. My dad's name is Nelson. Nelson Jr., how are you feeling? How are you really feeling? What's, what's What's on your heart? What's on your, we never had conversations like that. They were too busy fighting at each other's throats. There was so much drama at my house. I didn't know it was dysfunctional until I got older. And I'm like, oh, that, that's not a normal household. But that's what I lived in. And I suffered in silence as a result. 
And I, I, I didn't learn the right way to process stuff. I wonder if there's anyone in here like that. You don't need to do that if that's you. I got to fly here. Jesus has scars, y'all. Jesus has scars. I don't know if you ever daydream what certain things in the Bible might have looked like. I went to Israel already with my wife a few years back. They call it the fifth gospel. You literally need to just go see. Like, this is not a blind faith we have. Like, Jesus walked. He was places. There's evidence. Like, it's amazing to see. But I picture stuff all the time. What did the resurrection look like? He was in the tomb. Nobody was around. No one saw it happen, right? We get the account of it. But like, you know what I picture it like? This is my, my sanctified imagination. Amen. I picture it like the scene from Beauty and the Beast. Not the new one. How many of y'all have ever seen Beauty and the Beast? Wave them if you've seen Beauty and the Beast. The 1991 Disney version cartoon. Oh, that's the real one. That's the real one, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I picture it like that. Y'all know the scene, and it's such a it's a it's a Thug Life kind of movie. But um, it, literally, there's Gaston and the townspeople. They're committing breaking and entering with hopes of murdering the beast to force an arranged marriage between him and Belle. Sweet Disney, right? Um, so they get there. There's this huge fight. Y'all remember Gaston and the beast are fighting, and they're like, oh, they're just throwing furniture. Thug Life, and Gaston pulls out a blade and stabs the beast in the kidney. Y'all, this is Disney, praise God. And I'm like, oh, snap, he's bleeding. He's dripping. This is not good. And um, just before he dies, though, because he's like, ugh, he has enough strength to grab Gaston and throw this dude over the highest point on the castle to murder him. This is Disney, praise God. That's the Chicago Disney movie. So he's there, and uh, Belle runs in, and she's like, no. That's my Belle voice, by the way. (laughs) And and he's on the floor, and he's like, Belle. At least I got to see you one last time. And I'm like, she's like, no, but I, and I'm like, say it. You love him. I know you love him. Just say it. And then the curse will be broken and he'll be a human. I'm a human. I'm not a beast. And that's the thing. There's like this little magic rose. If y'all see it, just watch it later. And uh, before the last rose petal hits the ground, they're supposed to confess their love for each other. And if that happens, the spell is broken. Woo. And then he dies. (gasps) And the, the last rose petal fell, and I'm like, was that simultaneous? Which one happened first? Did he die first? Was there brain activity before the rose fell? Because she loves him. And I'm like, the movie's over. Worst Disney movie on earth. That's not where it ends. Y'all seen the movie? He starts levitating all of a sudden. All of a sudden, there's all these lights just flashing, and he's like spinning, and like lights start shooting out from his fingers. She's like, oh, snap. No DJ, no lighting equipment. I'm like, okay, cool. And his hand just goes from this grisly, nasty thing, looking like Bobo the thug dog that stabbed you and slit your leg. His hand is just human hand. I'm like, oh, snap, he's changing. Bro, they confessed love before he died. This is awesome. And then he goes back down, and it looks like he's dead again. And I'm like, come on, Disney, stop playing on my emotions like that. But then they confess their love for each other. They know each other. I'm like, okay, cool. I picture the resurrection like that with all the, all the stabbing and brutality. But I just picture Jesus levitating like that. However it happened, Jesus rose. It's a fact. It happened. And there's resurrection power in that. In all of that, how is it possible that he still came back with scars? Have you ever seen the passion of the Christ? Just to give you an example of something he might have went through. The lashes on his back, the nails in his hands, the, the crown of thorns, everything. You know how scarred up Jesus would look if you actually saw like this? Oh, this is, this is his body. He came back like that. And I'm thinking like, Jesus, like you couldn't slap some new skin on this dude, like put some foundation on him, some contouring. Like why would, why would you send him back like that? And I'm going to skip three little sub points there because my time's running out. Listen, he sent him back like that because there's certain things that we go through that unless we see that someone has overcome this, we're just not going to believe it happened. Doubting Thomas was one of the 12 what? 
disciples. Do you think he saw Jesus heal sick people before? Yeah, he, wa- he, was, he was walking with them everywhere he went for three straight years. He saw Jesus touch the untouchable lepers where you're like, oh, no, no, you're not supposed to touch people with leprosy. There's this horrible skin disease. Levitical law says if you touch the unclean, that makes you unclean. What are you doing? Jesus, no, 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 don't touch him. No, he touched him, he touched him. We just lost Jesus. He's about to be in a leper colony. But Jesus is so amazing that when he touches an unclean thing, he doesn't become unclean. That dirty thing becomes holy. That dirty thing becomes clean. Think about Moses when he saw the burning bush. And he told him what? Remove your sandals because you're standing on what? Holy ground. It was dirt, y'all. Dirt. What's more dirty than dirt? I'll wait. And you're telling me Jesus has the, the, oh my word, the ability and the power to make dirt clean, to make dirt holy, to the point where like, no, 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 the dirt on the bottom of your shoes is dirty and unsanctified and unholy. Take those shoes off because that dirt is not this dirt. This is where the presence of God is. God changes things. So he saw this. For three years, he saw Jesus raise the dead. He saw him feed the multitudes with a couple of fish, a couple of loaves of bread, like miracle after miracle after miracle. And now his brothers, his brothers are telling him, dude, Jesus is back. He's back. We saw him. He was here in the house. He was all like, peace be with you. We're like, ah, it's you. Nah. Why? Because there's some things that are just too hard to come back from. There's no doubt Thomas had seen people be crucified before. It was a common punishment in Rome. It was just one of those things where like, oh, you come against the Roman government? Well, Spoliotto, we haven't paid our taxes yet, my wife and I. We filed for an extension. The United States government's like, take your time, boy. Pay those taxes whenever you get a chance. I'm like, praise God. Rome? Don't pay your taxes in Rome. See what happens. You see dude on the cross there? That's going to be you. Boy, come on. And it was a public thing. They didn't do crucifixions in private. That's how they ruled those people. They're like, you want to be them? So there's no doubt Thomas saw it. He's like, I've seen crucifixions before. I've seen people get bloodied up to the point where they're not even recognizable anymore. I've seen people lose limbs. I've seen that. Nobody comes back from that. I know what you guys are telling me. I want to believe it, but I can't because I know he was crucified. It's over. Don't do that. Don't fool yourself. He's gone. And I'm telling you, people feel the same way now. There's stuff, man. There's stuff that people, some of y'all are going through. And you're like, this is it. There's no coming back from this. I think about my sister when my, when my brother-in-law died earlier this year. They were on their way to lunch. They were on their way on a date. And all of a sudden, he just felt kind of sick. He's like, babe, I'm sorry. Can we go to the hospital real quick? And she's like, yeah, of course. We're right by it. They go, and they check them in. And they're like, wow, there's, there's, there's something going on with your heart, heart valves. We're going to have to admit you. And then he was like, oh. And he looked at He, like, apologized to my sister because he messed up the date. Like, they're supposed to go hang out. And she's like, babe, don't. This is important. Like, I'm glad we caught this. Like, I'm going to run home and get a bag because they live 15 minutes away from the hospital. I'll show you. He's like, yeah, yeah. that great. Do that. Thank you. I love you. All right. I love you. I'll be right back. Five minutes down the road, they call my sister to tell her he died. He got a blood clot in his leg and it traveled up and he's done. That's her life partner. It's the father of her kids. That's my boy. That's my homie. He was the reason I look forward to going to Arizona on vacation to hang out with him. Love my family. Man, I love my brother-in-law. How do you go on without him? How do you go back and sleep in that same bed and you smell his cologne? What do you tell his kids? Like, it's, there's certain things in life where, like, how do you come back from this? There's no coming back from this. Some of y'all know. Some of y'all hear this. You hear stories from people. She was raped? No. By who? Her father? No. No. He, how do you come back from that? Your par- her parents, what? They died? Oh, my word. No, no, no. This happened with... He's, there's just certain things in life where like, there's, that's it. I mean, there's, there's some things you could probably come back from and be normal again. There's just certain things, though. It's, it's too much. It's too much. 
That's why God sent Jesus back to earth with scars to prove to an unbelieving and dying world that there is hope and power and healing in the name of Jesus. That's why he sent him back. I can't send you back looking all cleaned up because you're going to be like, no, you just look like him. He would have had, he would have had, oh, you mean something like this? Oh, you mean nail marks like this? Like when I died for your sins? Yeah. How about that crown they put on me? Would it, would it look something like this? And you're like, how many of you have ever been healed from anything? Wave at me if that's you. Wave at me. Okay, cool. Hands down. How many of y'all, God has ever done anything for you? Wave at me. That should be every hand up. The fact that you're even here right now, God's sustaining you. That verse says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. How did he send Jesus? With scars. To wear long pants now in Texas? Nah. To cover them up? No. To show the world your scars. And in church, sometimes we get real, we want to get all holy. Once we, we go to church for a little while, now I'm saved, now I'm doing good. And you never want to talk about your past. You never tell other people what you struggled with. I, I, I tell parents this all the time. They're struggling in their relationship with their kids. I'm like, you went through some crazy stuff. Do your kids know about this? Tell them, show them. They got to know that you were human ones, that you messed up too. And they're afraid to tell their kids. Because like, if I tell my kids I slept around or I did this, they're going to they're gonna think it's okay. No, no, no. You need to let them know what God delivered you from, what God healed you from. So that's the whole thing. I know y'all are going to camp and all this great stuff is going to happen next week. That's not just for you to enjoy that. And then there's people that follow you on social media that don't even know you're a Christian. What is that about? One of my favorite things about Pastor Joey is that he would challenge students when they got back from camp. This isn't staying with us in this youth group. Start a post, record a video, upload that. But everyone's going to see it. Mm-hmm. But there's people at school that... They're going to know the way I talk at school is totally different than what you should be talking like at church. It's going to be embarrassing. God changed you, didn't he? New creation, huh? Show the world. Show your scars. And one of the things I wanted to do tonight, and I'm sorry, I'm over time. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm a long-winded old man. Y'all forgive me. If we can't show scars in church, you're never going to do it in the world. It's just as simple as that. And it's, it's late July already. We're getting to that, that point. When do you all start CPS? When is CPS back up and running? I, I'm, I just moved back. Now, August when? That's, y'all barely, summer's fleeting, y'all. It's going. What is this next year of your schooling going to be like? Is Excel going to be more full because you're at that school? Are you planning on showing anyone your scars and be like, hey, man, I went to this camp over the summer. I've been going to this youth group called Excel. Just hear me out. I know this is going to sound crazy, but here's what's going on. And you just tell them your story. You show them your scars. And some of y'all are afraid because like, I don't know enough scripture. Show them your scars. But I, Pastor Izzy didn't give me permission. God said, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You are commissioned to go. But what if they ask me, what's my stance on Roe versus Wade or how I feel about homosexuality? Or what does the Bible say? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Show them your scars. Just tell them. Nobody can refute that. That's your story. Nobody can refute that Bobo attacked you and you survived. Why? Because you got a big old scar to prove it. Why? Because you were there. Why? Because it's your story. People need to know that there's hope. People need to know that there's healing. So I'm done. I'm going to sit down. Is there anyone here, I already asked this question, that God's done something for Let's practice. Let's just get practical with this. I want someone to come up, grab this mic, and show your scar. It doesn't have to be a physical thing. What has God healed you from that now you can talk about? 
you're like, man, I, I want to share this. This is what something, because here's what happens. When young people start sharing that, other people in the room are like, I'm dealing with that same thing. I thought I was the only one. That's one of the enemy's biggest tricks, to make you feel isolated, like you're the only one st- stuck in that. I was addicted to pornography from eight years old, from the majority of my, so much stuff that God's freed me from that I could talk about freely, and I do. I'm an open book with any student and all my messages. I just share that stuff. Why? Because I know that the majority of guys in here and girls, not just a girl, not just a girl sin, or a guy sin, struggle with lust. I know that that full frontal lobe in your brain where all your logical and rational decisions come from doesn't really form until you're 25 years old. So most of y'all are at a disadvantage even right now. So we go by feelings. We do stuff sometimes where like, I know that's wrong and I feel guilty about it, but I can't stop. Now you're addicted. You need to hear. You need to have someone show you the scars from man. Man, this is, this is what I used to do, man. God healed that. And if he did it for me, he's no respecter of persons. He could do it for you. Is there anyone that's willing to slide up here, even right now? And I'm done. My baby's waiting for me. If he didn't fall asleep, I want to see my two-year-old, y'all. Who wants to share a scar story right now? Something that you've been freed from, healed from, or God delivered you from? Is there any student in here? I know those leaders talking to me earlier, like, I'll do it. I'm like, great. Let me stretch your students a little bit. If that's you, come on. It could just be a quick one-minute thing. Hey, man, I used to, this happened, this happened. God could have rescued you from something. I know, look, God's healed me from asthma. I know my son, my wife's water broke at 23 weeks, halfway through the pregnancy. My son should have been born, he should have been dead. We were in the hospital for two months. God resealed my wife's womb, and literally amniotic fluid came in there more than what was. I got story after story of scars I could show y'all, but I, and I tell them. But God's sending you to share your scars. If you can't do it here, you're not going to do it at school. You're not going to do it at home. You're not going to do it at a sleepover. You ain't doing it. You ain't doing it. Come on. Who's going to do it? I'm going to be honest with you. My heart's pounding really hardly. That's not even a word. I'm sorry. (laughs) But... As most of you know, I think, I am suicidal, like, kind of. Currently, I am in the healing process, yes, and it is something that most of us, or some of us, uh, struggle with. I've dealt with this for, I'd say, about most of my life, since I was nine, or younger, I don't really know specifically, but I used to get bullied for a bunch of stuff, like my hair was curly, like all the racial stuff, and most of the whatever I liked, and that was a big part of it. But then I realized that it's a good thing that I'm different from everyone else because God made me this way. JK, come on. It's that easy. Can we be honest in church? How many of y'all have ever been bullied at any point in your life? Mm -hmm. It's a lot of hands. How many of y'all think, if I say that, people can be like, you're a punk. You're soft because you live in Chicago. What did you do to him? Soft, right? So when JK bravely steps up and shows you scars, hey, man, I've survived bullying. You're like, the Bible says that hope comes by hearing. All of a sudden, something starts rising up in you like, yeah, I I could. Mental health, it's a real thing. Being made fun of for hair, for race, anything, bro, it's all legit. And words, I'm telling you, they hit like a fist. I know Pastor Izzy talked about labels last week, right? I wonder what are some of the worst things y'all have ever been called. And when you hear a lie often enough, you start to believe it, even if it's not true. You start to believe that. Thank you for that. Anybody else? And I'm going to wrap this up. Anybody else like, if JK can do it, I got this. 
Come on. Oh, I see you. I see you flinching. Come on. Let's go. I've been bullied for having anxiety and the way I look when I was younger. And it just felt like I was in my own circle and like everyone hated me. Like I didn't really have any friends. I was so nice that people made fun of me for being so nice. And then now that I got older, uh, that affects my life now. So I have major anger issues now and I am mostly emotionless when I, emotional when I am talking about like my life, my past, or even home. So like now I have to like keep my hands in my pockets like, and I usually like have like stuff like a stress ball, stress, stress ball, or, or like a poppet, like in my pocket because like that helps me when I talk usually. And like, I listen to the music because that like helps me. And then like, even at home, that helps. And like at school, I I'm not allowed to have my phone at school. I'm not allowed to have it at all. And but I do keep it on me. And then like, whenever I have time and like I'm like in a corner, I always listen to my music because my music is my healing. And it's like my space where it's my comfort zone. And then just whenever somebody comes there. I'm so quiet. I'm not usually adjusted to talk to people because they are being so rude and they don't like me. So I got so sick of it that I'm just tired of it. Like, this is why I'm moving. And my school is so terrible that I have been dealing with this for so long. Same people, same personality, same life all the time. And then now that I've cut my hair, everyone's calling me trans. Boy, are you a guy? Are you a girl? Who knows? No, I'm a girl. Just because I cut my hair doesn't mean I'm a man now. Yeah, I may look like one. I'm not one. Just because I dress like one doesn't mean I am one. Just because I act like one doesn't mean I am one. Girls can still be acting like guys, tomboy. But, like, I do have anxiety when I, I do talk up front. What's her name? Marissa. 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 How many of y'all know Marissa? Okay, cool. More of y'all should know her. I, can I just say I just met you? And, like, not only do I like you, I have a love that God has given me for students. I just do. It's his love. I don't know you from anybody, but I just think you're awesome. You talk about having anxiety uh, when you speak in front of people. Or, dude. You're up here killing it right now. None of them, except for my boy, uh, my boy uh, JK came up, and you're just like, I'm going to go up there. I'm just going to share this. There, there's the, struggling has a bad connotation. A lot of people are like, oh, that girl's struggling. That's, that's, that's not. Struggling is a good thing. Struggling means you haven't been defeated. Struggling means it's not over. Struggling means there's still a fight, right? So she's in the struggle. She's in church tonight, y'all. She could be anywhere in the world she wants to. So somewhere in the middle of all this, there's a hope, I believe, that Jesus is real and he can help you with this. Is that correct? Yeah. That's what's up. And you're here and you're beautiful. And I don't want you to move because I want to come back here one day and be like, my girl, let's go. I think it's amazing. But it's, it's a great, great pointer to say this. Sometimes, and, you're, and I know kids are still being horrible. Kids are being rude. I'm afraid for my two-year-old to grow up. My wife's trying to move from Elmwood Park. Like Elmwood Park is thugged out because she's like, these kids are so mean at the playground. I'm like, girl, that's everywhere on earth. 
We cannot leave the earth. You just got to get used to it. We got we to make fun of them at home a little bit, get some tough skin. But listen, it's, it's a real thing. So sometimes while God doesn't change the external circumstances, guess what he can change? Right in here. What was the first thing that came out of his mouth when he popped up at the crib behind locked doors? He said, anybody remember? Peace. First thing he said. Then a couple verses later says, and he said again, peace be with you, right? Because he understood their hearts. They were troubled. Just like your heart is troubled because people have been mean to you. You do not deserve this. That's not what God intended for your life. But we live in a fallen, broken world where people act like a fool. And unfortunately, you're a target where there's like, we can just make fun of her. We can do that. And it's affected you in so many different ways. Can I tell you that's not the life that God had designed for you? That's not what he desires for you. I'll also say this. Everybody wants a testimony, but not everyone wants to go through a test. We serve a God that is able to make all things work together for the good. The Bible says of those who love God, you love him. And those who are called according to his purpose, you're like, I don't know if I'm called. The fact that you have air in your lungs means you're called. God has a purpose for your life. So all this stuff, I see you being a speaker one day where you're going to be able to help girls who are getting bullied, who are getting uh, verbally abused, all this stuff. God's going to fill you with so much of his spirit that you're going to be able to pour this out and comfort others with the same comfort that you've received from him. And you're already starting tonight. You came up here and just did that. That's, it's, it's so brave of you. Even while some of it is scarring, but a lot of it's still bleeding right now, if you're being honest. And I feel like that's some of us tonight in this room right now. You're like, I would have came up if I had a scar, but it's still bloody. It still hurts. You don't know what I'm going back to at my house when I leave this place. I relate to your story a little bit. Whatever your struggle is, whatever's going on in your life, can I tell you that God can give you peace right now while all hell is breaking out around you. Peace can flow from within you and you could have that now. I'm going to pray that for Marissa. Is there anyone else here who's like, Pastor Nelson, before you leave, would you just pray that God would fill me with peace because I need it? Just wait, wait, hold your hand up high if that's you. You're like, just include me in that prayer. Hi. Some of y'all are like, mm, we got to get used to just being bold about this. You know, of all the things God said my house could be called, he said my house shall be called the house of, thank you, Swoliodo. He reads his Bible. It could have been the house of worship because Aura got it going on. She's like, miracles. Oh, hold up, Marissa. I love you, girl. Come right back. I need you. I need you. I need you. You just stand with me. Of all, he could, my house could be called the house of worship, the house of, uh, um, you know, jump in a hula hoop, do math. It could have been called any of that. He's like, my house should be called the house of prayer. Why? Because prayer changes things. It doesn't make sense. Because in, in the natural, like, how does saying a couple words help? Because of who you're saying them to the God of all heaven and earth. And he promises when you give me these problems, he's able to give you peace. The Bible says that transcends what the human mind is capable of understanding. So when you're like, but I still got to go back to school. They're still going to talk smack. They're still going to do this. He's like, I know, but I'm going to have peace. Yeah. How? Because I'm God. And I'm going to displace and remove worry at the center of your life. And he's going to do that for you. So when you should be worried, you have every reason to be worried. People are like, are you cool? Yeah. How? I prayed. And you're smiling? But this and this and this and... Yeah. Peace. Again, if you want that, just hold your hand up high. And I'm done. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to pray for Marissa. That's what's up. I see hands up everywhere. I love that you have leaders raising your hand too. That's awesome. Get what you came for. I'm a pastor. I don't care who's preaching. If the altar call pertains to me, y'all, I'm on the green team at Breakaway next week. Y'all are red team. Let's just merge. Let's be Christmas trees. We'll have fun. If Pete Joey is preaching something that is wrecking my life, I'm going up there to get prayer first. I'm going to be like, forget the kids. I'm a grown man at camp. Like, pray for me. Once I get what I need, now I'm going to pray for other people. Why? 
Because none of us are perfect. We all need this. Get used to praying. Get used to being honest in church. Don't make Pastor Izzy and Ariel like fight. Like, come on, guys, I know there's at least three people in here. We could wait. And like, no, 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 no. Just be honest. Just be like, hey, I need help. Awesome. Here's your help. Great. I leave happy. Peace. He can give you that. So let's pray. For every hand that was at the Father, I thank you for Marissa and her bravery, God, absolute bravery. And for every hand, God, there was at least 15 to 20 hands that you saw slip up. And I would imagine that there's some who want peace, but for whatever reason, they have such a lack of it right now that they couldn't even raise their hands in church. Father, give us your peace. In the same way, God, you had to give peace to your disciples because they were freaking out at the circumstances and everything surrounding God. Your students and leaders in this room, they're going through real issues. There's real problems. We live in a fallen world, and Lord, you said in this world you will have trials and tribulations and hard times, God. But then you told us to be of good cheer. What? Because you've overcome the world, and that means that you are going to help us to overcome as well. In James chapter 1, the Bible says to consider it a pure joy whenever we go through problems and trials and, and bullying and people making fun and are you this or are you that? And to consider it a pure joy, that's not fun. How could I do that? Lord, you say in your word because it's because the testing of our faith develops perseverance. And God, you have a plan for this. Lord, I thank you, Lord. Even tonight, God, even if she doesn't realize that you're already using Marissa, God, to bless students in this room and leaders, God. And Lord, you're going to make our pain pay. There's nothing we're ever going to experience that you're going to let go to waste. There's never a tear we've cried, God, that you won't redeem and use for our future testimony and the glory, God, that's going to come from our story, that comes from our scars. So thank you for JK. Thank you for Marissa. And thank you for every scar in this room that you've healed. Those are marks left behind by a thing you've already dealt with. But Lord, I pray for the wounds. God, would you begin to heal those wounds even tonight? God, we don't have to wait for Carlinville. We don't got to wait for breakaway. God, you're in the healing business right now. So, Father, heal Marissa, God. Every wound, God, every word that's, that she's taken in, that she's allowed to, to land and hurt and believe, even though they're lies, even though they're attacks, God, they still have their effect on us, Lord. And she's even confessed to it affecting her behavior and certain things she does, God. Father, I pray, Lord, that even as music is a gift and that certainly helps with the healing process, God, that she would completely understand that you are the healer, God. Healing comes from you. It comes from above. Father, free her from the pain and the hurt and everything that's happened in her life, God. And I pray that you would use it for her glory, Lord, because so many people are going through what she's going through, God. And they need to hear someone who's been there, done that, got the scars to prove it. Give her scars, Lord. Give her marks left behind by the wound that's been healed so she can bring other people and help them, God. And I thank you for her life. Thank you for her future. Thank you for JK. God, I thank you, Lord, that even though he's had suicidal thoughts, and I'm not sure the details and the, if there's even attempts, God, he's here, which means it didn't work. That means he still has life. That means he still has purpose. Thank you for his life, God. And for everyone else here, God, who's going through anything, Lord, heal. Father, would you heal? Let them know they're not alone, that you are watching, and that you are redeeming every pain for your glory. Thank you, God, for being here tonight. Thank you for loving. And God, thank you for the command and the call to go show our scars. Help us never to be embarrassed. It doesn't matter how ugly, how big. Father, you healed us, and we need to tell other people that it's possible. Thank you for using us in that way, Fathers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.